0: As we end one year and look to the start of a new year, we all have a similar wish. All of us look ahead and say, I want next year to be better than this year. I want to be a better person next year than I was this year. And these are, are good wishes, but they're pretty vague. Uh, I mean, what does it mean to be a better person in two thousand? Fourteen. In order to have any real hope of real improvement, I have to get beyond generalities and list the seven categories of life and get specific about how I will improve in each area. When it comes to personal improvement, there are seven life areas that must be considered. Uh, To help us get specific, uh, let's uh, go over these seven areas, starting with the physical. Uh, This is the area everyone thinks about when it comes to the new year and and the idea of setting goals. This area covers my level of exercise and diet and sleep and eating habits and overall health. And usually, our goals are set Uh, involving more exercise and eating more vegetables and uh, resisting unhealthy habits of uh, too much uh, drinking or too many uh, French fries. And this physical category is what people first think about when it comes to the start of a new year. Unfortunately, this is usually the only area uh, people think about uh, in terms of concrete goals for improvement. And this is sad because as we see, as we go through this list, this is actually the physical area is the least important area. The physical area is important because, you know, it does affect all the other categories, uh, But this is the least important, especially compared to the next category, which is the spiritual. This is the area that deals with my inner life with God. Uh, And it's vital because in this area, I'm setting goals in my relationship with God. I'm deciding to have a better rhythm of conversation uh, with God. I'm deciding what and where to be reading in uh, God's Word. I'm deciding what Uh, And where I will step out in faith beyond my comfort zone to go on, say, a missions trip or serve God's people here at Black Rock. And as I make improvements in this spiritual area, I will grow in wisdom for decisions and I will be uh, growing in spiritual joy and confidence that spills over to bless all the other areas of my life. The next area is the vocational, which is more than just my career. This is about my calling in life. Uh, Improving in this vocational area usually means making specific plans to build on my God-given gifts and talents so that I can do my best for God's glory. Uh, In Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, God tells me, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, not working for people, but working for the Lord. So whether I work at a job or work at home or work as a student or I'm retired, God calls me to develop what he's given me and make plans to improve whatever I do to do it excellently as for... God's glory. The next area is the financial. God has intense interest in helping me grow in financial health. In 2014, God wants to see me eliminating money headaches, living within my means, and giving the first 10% at least of my income to his work in the church. If I'm a Christ follower, then I want to make the new year a year that sees improvement in my stewardship so that I am using the resources God gives in ways that will maximize joy, minimize stress, and cause me to grow like Jesus in the process. The fifth area is the emotional. Uh, A healthy mind is even more important than a healthy body because how I think determines Everything. Here, we're talking about improving my perspective in life and my attitude. I want to improve my attitude so that I break worry habits and address jealousy and gossip and temper issues. I want to learn how to be less motivated by fear and doubt and anger and live on faith and peace and patient love which leads to the last two life areas which are relational in nature. The sixth area is the familial. Uh, My most important relationships are close to home. And so every year, I should be making plans to better my family relationships. I should start with my spouse and make plans for improving my marriage. I should ask myself what I can do as a parent to uh, better express love to my kids and better lead them to a closer relationship to God in 2014. My kids are um, in their teens, which means that every year I need to Adjust my parenting style and adjust my goals uh, as a dad to be the best dad that I can be. And that's reflected in all of these goal areas. We need to constantly be adjusting for different seasons in our lives. The last goal area is the social. Which is the relationship area of my non family contacts, say with people here at church, my friendships, my neighbors, my co workers, and others. And often my goals in this area involve. Uh, repairing and restoring and reconciling relationships that are cold with distance or hot with tension. Um, Sometimes my goal is to do better at expressing encouragement or compassion or resolving conflict in my relationships. I want to grow to be the best friend and the best neighbor that I possibly can be as a follower of Jesus. And there you have it, okay? Okay. If I am serious about beginning uh, a new year with the goal of improving as a person, as a follower of Jesus, these are the seven life areas I need to reflect on and set prayerful and intentional goals for improvement. Um, How many look at this list and feel a little overwhelmed? Okay, good. If if, If you're not feeling a little overwhelmed, you are not paying attention. It is impossible to think about life change in all seven of these areas without feeling overwhelmed. Why? Because I know that I need improvement in all seven areas. I know that I need major improvement in all seven areas and I feel overwhelmed because in previous years, I've tried to bring major improvement to all these seven areas and in different degrees, I've failed. I feel overwhelmed because I know how much I need life transformation and I know by experience how powerless I am to really change. And these experiences of powerlessness lead some of us to just give up, to stop trying for any intentional improvement in life. But God's message in the Bible is a loud encouragement to not give up on life transformation. God's word affirms uh, this encouraging truth that where my human ability for life change is severely limited, God wants me to have his limitless power of transformation, The message of Scripture is that although I don't have the power to transform myself, God has the ability to bring real transformation in my life in all seven of these life transformation areas. God's message to me on the threshold of a new year is that I can improve as his child in all seven life areas if I power up with God's power. So if you are a follower of Jesus, God's message to you is that if you let him, God will power you so that you can be a better person in 2014. And this theme of God transforming his people with his power is a central theme that threads from the beginning to the end of scripture. In the Old Testament, this theme is expressed as a future promise. In the Old Testament, God's people saw God's power around them, right? Uh, The faithful saw God's power transform the water of the Nile into blood. Uh, They saw God's power part the red sea they saw god's power around them as the as god toppled the walls of jericho god's they saw god's power around them that's the theme of the old testament but god was saying also in the old testament that the best Is yet to come. Through prophetic messengers like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Joel, God promised that a day was coming when His power would be much more than just around His people, His power would be in His people. For instance, through the prophet Joel, God says, in later days, I will pour out my spirit on all my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. In these words, God promises that the miraculous power that he displayed around his people would one day be inside his people to bring real life transformation. Like God parted the Red Sea on the outside for his people, God promised that someday he would do the same thing on the inside for his people. God promised to open up a path of personal transformation through a Red Sea of personal failure that I can't walk through on my own. Like God toppled the walls of Jericho on the outside outside, God promised that one day his miraculous power would be on the inside of his people to tear down walls on the inside that keep me from being the loving, joyful, and peaceful person that God wants me to be. And this promise is fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus refers to this promise of God to send his power inside his people when he said in Luke chapter 24, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So then Jesus gave himself on the cross. He rose from the dead. And the risen Jesus gathered his followers and spoke to them about the fulfillment of this promise of God's indwelling power. And he said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Don't miss this all-important word. Power. Jesus came so that I could experience power. Jesus came so that I could live with power. Jesus came so I could experience God's transforming power through my life. So what is this power? It's the power to change, to be transformed into the person God wants me to be, year by year, the person that I long to be, more and more, year by year. But let's get specific about this, because the Bible gets specific about what kinds of power uh, the Holy Spirit gives as he indwells a person. The Bible lists many power areas, but let me start with a quick list of five. Uh, The Holy Spirit first gives me the power to overcome fear. As Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but A spirit of power. The biggest barrier to God's work in my life is my insecurity. There are obstacles between me and where I want to go as a person and the biggest obstacle is fear. I cannot be transformed into the person God wants me to be and I long to be if I'm chained to a spirit of timidity. I cannot be transformed if I am afraid to fail, afraid to risk, afraid to try, afraid of life and afraid of death. So God indwells me with his Holy Spirit to give me power to overcome fear. Next, God's Holy Spirit gives me the power to live more and more like Jesus. Uh, That's what Jesus meant when he says in Acts chapter one, verse eight, of followers like me and you, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. When Jesus says that he gives the power to be his witnesses, he means that he's gonna give us power to live a life that is kind of a, a living proof that Jesus is alive and living through me. Then the Holy Spirit third gives me the power to be joyful. Again, Paul writes in Romans chapter 15, may the God of hope fill you with joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everyone wants to be joyful, but history proves what the ancient theologian Augustine said. Augustine wrote that it is impossible to find lasting happiness in things that are less than ourselves. Obviously, there is a degree of happiness that comes with being able to afford some material possessions, but There's always temporary joy uh, because a car or a boat or a, uh, a second home is always worth less than me and my life. The only thing that can give lasting joy is that which is greater than me. God is the source of joy. A relationship with God through his Holy Spirit is a source of joy because God is the only thing that is greater than me. And because he is infinitely greater and better, it is the Holy Spirit who gives the power to be truly joyful in life. Next, the Holy Spirit gives me the power to resist temptation. Uh, God's indwelling Spirit is the only source of strength that can defeat temptation. Speaking of beating temptation of all kinds, the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 6, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Most of the improvements that I want to make in my life require me to have power over temptation, to improve my physical health. I must have the power to resist my appetites for junk food and for sitting around doing nothing but watching TV, to improve my financial health. I must have the power to resist my desire for things that I cannot afford. To improve my marriage, I must resist temptation to say hurtful words that I'm going to regret. God's Spirit gives me the power to resist my selfish desires and appetites. Essential if I'm going to be the person that God wants me to be. And then finally, the Holy Spirit gives me the power to choose God's best in life. Not only does the Holy Spirit give me the power to resist what's bad for me, God's Holy Spirit fills me with power to choose what is best for me, what is good for me. The apostle Peter writes this in 2 Peter, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and true godliness, where the word godliness is biblical shorthand for the good life the life God wants for me and that I long for. And like I said, these five powers that come through the indwelling Holy Spirit are just a teaser. When God's Holy Spirit dwells in me, the powers that could be listed are endless. So if God's through his Holy Spirit is available to every Christ follower, why is it? Why is it that so many of us live weak powerless, unchanged, untransformed lives? Well, as I see it, there are at least two reasons. There are two reasons people who call themselves Christ followers fail to experience God's transforming power in their life. And the first reason I call the Yates pool factor. Uh, During the Depression, a man named Yates... owned a sheep ranch in West Texas. Mr. Yates was dirt poor. He had little money for food or clothes. His wife and kids (coughs) lived hand to mouth on charity and uh, government help, and he was in danger of losing his ranch. Then after years of sleepless nights worrying about how he would survive, A seismographic crew from an oil company came to his ramshackle house and uh, told Mr. Yates that there might be oil on his property. And so they asked for permission to drill a wildcat well, and he signed a contract to let them drill. And at only 1,000 feet below ground, they struck a huge oil reserve. The first well came in at 80,000 barrels a day. The second well was more than twice that. And after that, dozens of wells were drilled. And 30 years later, they were still discovering uh, oil pockets. And this oil is still flowing today. And so, of course, Mr. Yates went from one of the poorest men in the nation... To one of the richest men in the world overnight. But the interesting thing is, is that even when Mr. Yates was a poor rancher, he owned it all. He owned this vast oil reserve. So for years, he was living hand to mouth. He did so as a man who owned Yates' pool one of the largest oil fields in the world. He was living in poverty because he didn't know what he had. And just like Yates was starving while unimaginable wealth was closer than he could ever think, many of us are living like spiritual paupers because we choose to not know or because we've never heard about the power that is ours through God's indwelling Holy Spirit through His promise. Maybe you're not experiencing God's power because of the Yates pool factor. The Yates pool factor is failing to understand who you are in Christ as a child of God. And what power is already yours and waits for you to access by yielding to God's indwelling spirit. Maybe you're living a powerless life because you don't know the truth or that you just choose to ignore this truth. This truth about God's transformational power that he wants to give you and pour into your life in a way that gives you everything that you dream of in the good life. For instance, are you currently drawing God's power for anything in your life? Are you asking God to lead you vocationally? Are you asking God to guide you financially? Are you asking God to help you improve your marriage or your family life? If you are not drawing on God's power Anywhere in your life, there's a good chance that you're like Mr. Yates. You're living as a pauper instead of drawing on the incredible wealth that is already yours for the asking. But there's a second reason. There's a second reason some people don't experience God's power. And I call it the black garbage bag factor. Uh, This factor is related to another story of a person who lived in poverty. And I won't name this woman because she lived in our community. And some of you would know her. Uh, She was an old woman who spent her declining years living all by herself in a big house, but you would hardly call the way she lived living. Uh, She would barely feed. Herself, because she said she couldn't afford the food. Uh, She would not turn on the heat uh, in her home because she said she could not afford the heat. And so in the dead of winter, you could see your breath in her home. And so she shivered freezing in her home. And many efforts were made to keep her warm and keep her fed, even from uh, the the resources of this church. But she refused to help. And of course, because her her house was so cold, she went from sickness to sickness and she got weaker and weaker and eventually she died. And soon after her body was carried out of her home, authorities discovered closets full of black garbage bags. These bags were stuffed full of cash, hundreds of thousands of dollars, which apparently she was keeping in case of an emergency. Now you may say, it's one thing to be Mr. Yates and uh, have a fortune that you do not know about, but to live in poverty by refusing to draw on resources you know about, that's just foolish. It is foolish. And some of us are just as foolish as this shivering woman Some of us know all about God's Spirit and His resources. We know these promises and yet we stuff all God's power into this black garbage bag and we shove it away with thoughts that will draw on God's power and God's Spirit in an emergency. I'll draw on God's power if I'm in trouble or when things get really bad. And so we stuff God's power into this black bag while we get sicker and sicker and weaker and weaker, comforting ourselves that it isn't an emergency because things could be even worse. And if we're honest, the simple reason for this foolishness, the reason we don't open the bag and draw on God's power is because it would mean that we have to relinquish control. We have to relinquish control to God. The Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul makes an important analogy here. He makes a comparison between being drunk and being filled with the Spirit. He asks us to imagine a person who's drunk and how that person does not have control over his body or his balance or his tongue. To be drunk is to surrender control of your body, of your mind, and your behavior to alcohol. So when the When the Apostle Paul says, do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit, he's saying, don't be under the influence of alcohol, but instead be under the influence, under the control of God's Holy Spirit. This means that being filled with God's Spirit is not about me trying harder to get more of God in my life. The issue is not how much of God do I have. The issue is how much of me does God have? Being filled with the Holy Spirit does not mean getting more of God in my life. It means giving God more control in my life. It's getting behind the wheel of my life and driving under His influence, under His control. That's what it means to power up. It's plugging into God and a relationship with God where I'm continually drawing on his power, yielding to his control, asking for God to transform me from the inside out. So I am constantly growing and improving and becoming more like Jesus, more the person that God wants me to be. On this last Sunday of 2013, how about, making a resolution to stay plugged in all the time to stay plugged into a relationship with God where you're constantly drawing on God's power constantly asking God to to address these seven areas of personal fulfillment not in your power but drawing on these unlimited resources of God's Holy Spirit dwelling in you and then stay plugged in, receiving God's power by yielding to the control of God's Spirit. Power up for a great year ahead. Would you please stand as we close? I'd like to just give you a, a moment just to uh, reply to God. Maybe God uh, has just put his finger on one of these seven areas and uh, God's saying, that's you. Uh, that's, that's next year. This is where I, I really need you to focus. Would you come and would you draw upon, upon my strength? Would you, would you dialogue with me on this? And would you allow me to uh, change the dynamic? instead of going from failure to failure in this area, really helping you to take the next step, let me, let me power you up. Would you just uh, yield yourself even now uh, for this year ahead? Oh God, we stand before you and we as your people say, God, we want to uh, not operate under our own power. We want to be those people uh, who really have the good life, who really uh, start to experience what it means to be the people that you've created us to be by yielding to your power. Lord, would you help us to stay plugged in to your power all year long? And would you make this year ahead the greatest year yet for giving you glory and experiencing your joy of your presence in our lives? We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen.